0: G'day, Darren Mitchell here. Welcome back to another brand new episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast, another pre-interview preamble, so to speak, uh, continuing the theme of speaking with some very, very high quality and high caliber individuals from the sales and sales leadership world. And today is by no means any exception. I had the absolute privilege of speaking with David Krieger, who is the founder and president of Sales Roads, a sales outsourcing and appointment setting firm, and he's been doing this for over 16 years, based in Miami. Florida, fantastic conversation. We talked all things sales and sales leadership, as well as um, some of the predictions that he has for 2024, which I think all of us as people, but also as sales leaders, we can take, uh, take heed of and incorporate into our planning for 2024. So it was a fantastic conversation. Really enjoyed speaking to again to such a high caliber individual. And I trust that you enjoyed listening to the conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. So without further ado, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales leader looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level Allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on a um, on a beautiful Thursday, and I'm talking to another great guest all the way from Miami in the Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale area, Mr. David Krieger, Sales uh, Sales Road founder and president. Welcome, David, all the way from Miami. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Darren. Thanks for, for having me on. Uh, it's summer all the time here, but I guess it's really summer over there for you, huh? Well, it is. And I'll saying just before we press record that the first day of summer was on Friday and it was a balmy 12 degrees Celsius. It felt more like winter, but you're actually saying it's about 50 or 60 degrees Fahrenheit where you are right now, which is unusually cool. Miami. It's actually cool. I went and played tennis this morning. I was actually cold uh, out there. So
1: um, yeah, you know, there we go. It's, it's at least cold for us. I grew up in Boston, so I, I okay. should be used to much colder weather This shouldn't be <laughs> yeah. cold. For me, it was cold now since I've been here
0: 16 years. So not um, not cold enough where you had to maybe wear some gloves? Holding no, the it didn't go that far. didn't go that far. <laughs> So David, hey, it's great to, great to have you on the podcast. You're the founder of Sales Roads, which is a sales outsourcing organization and, and been in that particular role for the last 16 years. Um, love to delve into sales outsourcing and just talk about sales and sales leadership, particularly as we move into 2024. Uh, but just for the listener's point of view, love to get a bit of a um, the Reader's Digest version of David's, David's life up until now. But, but really what I'm intrigued about is what sort of prompted you to move into this area? of of sales outsourcing and hence startup sales roads.
1: Yeah, so I so I started the company or I had the idea for the company actually 18 years ago. It's amazing. Okay. Um now and um I was back in business school and I was actually just trying to figure out a company to start. <laughs> I wanted to go the entrepreneurial route and I wanted to use my MBA to have some time to think about it and I started this was you know back 2005 uh, or so, and I started reading about the distributed model, um, of call centers. And I had a background and before going back to business school, I had started an inside sales team, uh, actually also an inbound call center team, um, for an internet startup. And we're obviously in a centralized location. And as I started reading, you know, there were a few companies doing it obviously <laughs> like today, but I just love the model because at the end of the day, um, you know, especially on, on the sales side, you, you can have great processes, you can have great training, but if you don't have great people, it's hard yeah. to be really excellent at what you do. And I felt that the distributed model was a great way to be able to recruit the best people wherever they lived. And so that was the original concept for sales roads. Um, and we were actually, you know, we, we, we started out Obviously, there's 16 years ago. So it was before SDR was a term. So we started as you know a lead generation appointment setting company. Um, you know, obviously, that's a lot of what we deliver right now is high quality appointments for our, for our clients. But we've really, you know, as the industry has evolved, we've evolved with it and really we you know we brand ourselves now as an SDR outsourcing company.
0: Nice. And I think in in your website or on your LinkedIn profile, you talk about having built something like 500 plus SDR teams over yeah. that journey. So. I guess the number of clients that you've worked with, because you talk about Microsoft and some of the other big organizations that you work with love to get into a bit of a conversation around, um, you know, the, the, the power of outsourcing and what you're finding in the States in terms of the key reasons as to why organizations choose to outsource their sales appointment setting function. Any, any key thoughts around that? Cause you've been around for 15, 16 years and you would have seen a lot of changes in the industry, and, and as if as you said, the SDR concept actually wasn't around probably 15, 16 years ago. Um, yeah. Key reasons for, for organizations um, outsourcing. Yeah, so
1: so there's really, I think, you know, two big buckets, and we can talk about the, the what, what falls underneath it. But for a lot of early-stage companies, well, SaaS-based companies, venture-backed companies, who are, uh, they have... Two, two reasons that they'll work, work with us. One is if they are really just trying to figure out product market fit, sometimes working with an SDR outsourcing company to really help them to, to uh, speak to more prospects, speak to more companies, be able to accelerate their learning, um, about their products, see whether it's working, whether it's resonating or not, is really compelling. And so we've helped a lot of companies who are actually just even very early stage trying to understand it. And sometimes those are just even founders. Right? And, and so they don't have either the bandwidth, the desire, or the, the the acumen to be able to do that type of prospecting in a rigorous way to create a methodical uh Process And a a good number of appointments for them to have those conversations. So those are the very early stage companies and a lot of times, you know, your time is just better spent as a founder or if you have one sales leader on on closing deals or or on having those conversations than than doing it. Moving up a little bit, once you have, you know, some, uh, you know, product market fit, um, and maybe some growth capital. you've probably brought in a VP of sales or even a CRO. And a lot of companies at at that stage realize that both managing from discovery to close is very challenging Mm -hmm. and a whole nother set of challenges that are slightly related, but a lot of different skills, a lot of different methodologies, a lot of different technology is doing the SDR work and booking those appointments. And so some of our best Partners understand that they want to really focus on that second part, discovery to close, and they'll outsource the first part um, so that they can really focus their attention and their energy on closing those deals. Um, So, and then there's a whole other one other aspect, but I'll pause there for a second because I know I've been (laughs) chatting a a bit here.
0: Nah, because it's um, it's really because a lot of the companies I talk to, they tend to focus on. Building more in-house sales capabilities, thinking that they've they've got um, more knowledge, they can keep a, a closer, I guess, ream of control on those on those people. But obviously, there's a lot of merit in thinking about well, if you outsource to a, a specialist organization who can do this, your cost to serve becomes a lot a lot less, and you're not necessarily having all the overheads that perhaps you would have building a big in-house in-house team.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I think there is definitely overhead to, to start it, to do it right. You need to have a leader who's focused on it. You need to have underneath them. People who are really coaching on a day-to-day basis. You have to have a good HR setup where you can recruit the right type of people. And then you need to have the tech stack, right? So that's both expensive monetarily, but also for the sales leaders, um, it's expensive in time because one of the things I've learned over the last 16 years, just being an entrepreneur is, focus equals growth. Mm. And everything you do is difficult if you want to do it well. And so some of the best sales leaders, I've realized, pick what they want to focus on. If they don't have infinite resources, they obviously don't have infinite time at first. They get really good at that and they partner and outsource those other things that they can't focus. And then eventually, You know that once they've you know figured out a certain sales process that works, they have more bandwidth. They might take other parts in house. Mm. um, You know, and that that's. But I think that that ability to understand what you need to focus on, what is the most important thing for you to get right now, uh get right right now, and then have partners who help you with the rest is really critical to growing a company
0: very quickly and growing it well. Yeah, yeah, and with that. With, with organisations, whether they be in the startup phase, and I know having worked with some founders, they're very, very good technically. They've got a fantastic product, mm-hmm. um, but they're not necessarily great at identifying whether there's a problem that needs to be solved in the marketplace. So what's the what's the thought process with an organisation seeking to outsource their sales uh, development function and, I guess, the pressure to get results quickly? So we're I'm not, yeah. not talking necessarily average lead times, but I'm sure there's a lot of organizations out there that want almost instantaneous results. Um, What do you find you need to, I guess, set as expectations in the marketplace as to how long this takes to ramp up? Because there'll be organizations out there that expect almost instantaneous results,
1: right? Yeah. So part of our sales process, we, 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 we structure our sales process almost like a SaaS company where we do a discovery call. We really understand what their goals are, the issues they maybe have are: do they have product market fit? Do they have a good value proposition? What are their, you know, what's their TAM? What's their ICP? Um, and sometimes they don't kn- know that, right? So then we need to know that they. And we that's part of our engagement. We're going to have to help w- with define some of those those things, which is fine. We're we're good at that. Um, and then also, what are their both expectations and what are their their goals? So what's what are their sales goals? What is their their current close ratio? you know, what is, how long does it take them to, to, to close deals? And as part of the sales process, before we engage, we map all that out. Mm-hmm. Um, we put together a calculator, we get a sense of metrics um, and we show them very honestly, what we think is, is doable and what we think is, is impossible. And we've learned over the past 16 years that it's really important to do that because if you sign a client with unrealistic expectations, it's just not gonna end, end well. Um, both, obviously you want to do really great work, but also those clients often end up taking up a lot more of your time because if you wanna do really good work, you're gonna be pivoting and you're gonna be trying new things and then you're gonna realize it's just not, you're the team who's executing it, it's just not possible. And for us, there are so many companies out there that need this type of work, you know, we're you know, and we're, we're a boutique organization, so we don't take on that, that many. It's better for us to find the right fit yeah. where we can, you know, create value, then then take those on. So to answer your question, I think it's really important to do that up front and set the right types of expectations that it is going to take, you know, this long for us to build the, this program. You know, uh, we, we found in, in SDR work that people say that it takes a while to build a pipeline. We've actually found that usually... If you have the right messaging, you can get things out of the gate pretty pretty quickly. If you don't, you know, then you know, and you've got to tweak the messaging, but it's not like you need to like take several weeks to start getting a, a appointments if you've got a good solid foundational strategy. Um, but again, I think it's really about being on the same page and creating a strategic roadmap from the beginning.
0: Nice. And from, from a company looking at outsourcing's perspective, and I'm just sort of delving into some questions that I get asked all the time. Um, what sort of process do you typically follow? I mean is it does it t- depend a lot on the on the industry the, the product the service they offer or is there a certain methodology that you tend to use that delivers the the vast majority of the results whether it be like cold calling, email outreach, LinkedIn, things like that what's the what's your experience over the 16 years that is the I guess the most what's the term um, fertile area or fertile method to to do this? I, you know i i still we we still find that
1: the phone is the best methodology for for quality appointments um that go to close um yeah. and so that is and, and it's amazing you know because when i started 16 years ago people say quote calling is dead. um it has different types of challenges it's more challenging in some ways less challenging in other ways and we'll get into some of this with getting better data and things like yeah. that um but we still find that 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 the foundation has to be the cold call. Now we will create email cadences. You know we can leverage social things like that um, as part of that. But I think a lot of times, and where a lot of internal SDRs get get it wrong, is they'll leverage the the cadences as just email cadences, and the, they won't do the phone call part. <laughs> right, and, and it's especially in you know such a cluttered landscape with with email right now. Um, it's just not going to generate the results that 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 you want, I think, unless you really spend time doing a very customized email. And in, in that, you still need to make sure you're doing it, you know, efficiently, so the, because at the end of the day, it's still a numbers game. And I think AI can help with some of that. I don't, but it's still very challenging to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. So still phone call, and it's interesting, isn't it? With all the technology, how many people have been doing anything but pick up the phone? Mm, I know. And, and I think, you
1: know, it's, and I think maybe more, well, we'll get into predictions. But I, th- I think people will realize that that it is, you know, it, it, it's it's the key at the end of the day.
0: Uh, I know we have. Yeah. And I know you've got a lot of, um, you've got a lot of case studies on your website, but if for organizations that, because I'll have sales letters and entrepreneurs listening to this and thinking, well, how do I, how do I scale up my sales effort to bring in, uh, more revenue to grow grow my business quickly. Um, what sort of what sort of anecdotal evidence or specific evidence do you have in terms of return on investment? That without giving specific numbers per se, but some some key metrics that people can look at to say, oh, "Hang on, this is worth exploring." Versus building an in house capability, whether that be in time to market or whether that be you know opportunities turned into revenue. Are there any key key things to to look for to look at? Yeah, well, so I'll talk about the Uber metrics and some of the things that we
1: break down because every case is is different, right? You know, you, you have to different companies have different lifetime values of a the customer. They have different requirements for if they're venture backed, you know, when they need to to, to see a payback on, on a customer. They'll have different close rates for their, their internal team. Um, and so that's why we we customize it around um, you know, each prospect that that we speak to. But I'll give you a some of the key things if somebody's doing this analysis, I would look at if I were, were them, you know, I would first take a look at the prospects that, you know, who are the personas you're going after and what is the level of persona. Um, you know, is it a VP? Is it a CTA? You know, C level. Can you start at a director level? Mm. And then, you know, we have lots of, you know, metrics and and people are, have questions. They can they can ping me, um, you know, to, to figure out how many touches is it going to take to actually have a conversation with that person. Yeah. So then you look at how many touches, you know, it takes. And then you you take a look at what is the potential convergence rate of those conversations. And that is going to vary a lot. Um, and really for us, In the modeling process, it's the hardest thing for us to to model out because it's so dependent on the value prop and the the competitive landscape, and then how creative we can get in in the the way that we present the value prop. But you want to understand what is my convergence rate on each of those conversations. And then you get a sense for number, number of appointments. From there, you've got to take a look at your your close ratio. And one mistake that a lot of companies take, especially if they have some inbound leads or they've grown through referral, is they're like, "My close ratio is seventy five percent." You know, were those cold leads? You know, were, were those referrals? Right? So, you know, make sure that you're looking at what your close ratio is on qualified, you know, mm. uh, appointments, but aren't necessarily ones that that were a referral or somebody who's actively searching you out. Um yeah. and then from there you gotta take a look at your what your lifetime value of, of a customer is and then you can look at the you know quantification of the whole thing. So those are some of the things and we have a whole calculator that helps us yeah. to to do that with our, our clients.
0: Nice. Because I think um a lot of people have uh an unrealistic expectation in terms of their close rates. And um right. <laughs> <laughs> now the other the other question I got just as, as you're talking there, in terms of the, I guess, the the work that you guys do in sales roads, is it is it an end-to-end or is it more a generation of the appointments? And that presupposes, of course, that the organization has some form of sales conversion methodology to turn those appointments into closed sales. Um, because from a, I guess, from an, a CEO's point of view or a president's point of view, you'd be looking at which which customers you would want to engage with because you can give as many appointments as as perhaps they need. But if they don't have the methodology to be able to convert them, then that in, in many ways comes back to reflect on you, doesn't it? Yeah. So it, it's really important. Yeah, we we do we focus
1: our expertise is in top of the funnel and generating appointments, qualified appointments for our clients. So they do need to have A's um who are ready to take the appointments and have a good sales methodology around. Doing a discovery call and bringing those to close, um, you know, we will collaborate, uh, you know, a little bit and, and talk about things that are working. You know, maybe there's different qualifications we need to add more information that would help them in their their discovery. And we work obviously as a partnership because you're right. At the end of the day, they've got to close deals or else there's going to be no ROI. So we we, we collaborate, but our focus is on generating appointments.
0: Nice, because I've seen a lot of organizations and I've spoken to them say, so, yeah, we, we tried outsourcing once and it didn't work. But when you look at it, the outsourcing, there was nothing wrong with it because they were doing all the all the great work and bringing in a pretty good volume of leads. The organization, though, didn't have either the right people or the right method to convert those from curiosity into commitment. So. Yeah. And it's very easy to blame the outsourcing company to so say, you guys gave me some pretty ordinary leads. What's wrong with you? I'm not gonna not gonna do business with you again.
1: Yeah, no, and, and and we really and we go through we have weekly meetings with our clients and we try to really go through those appointments and we look at and, and get feedback you know, from from them and from the reps, you know, what was a good appointment, what missed, what was a no-show, right? And we'll try to get that rebooked. And then we try to iterate over time based upon that that feedback or also it helps us with that conversation because if we're going through and all of them you know are, are good leads right and they're not closing it then sometimes the our partner whoever's managing the relationship and you know interacting with those aes sometimes gets some insight <laughs> as to what's working or what's not working and yeah. who maybe needs to be coached on that side
0: absolutely awesome um as you were talking i'm thinking okay i've got, i've got companies that have got good what they consider to be good quality business development people or as we call them SDRs, um, sales development reps, we've got good AEs. Um, from a from an outsourcing company perspective, what are some of the key qualities that you look for in a good SDR? Because there'll be organizations out there who which are thinking, well, I can either do this in-house and therefore I've got to look for good quality people, but I've also got to be conscious of tenure and attrition and stuff like that. Um, or I can outsource it to an organisation that specialises in this sort of stuff. And from your perspective, David, what do you? Because you've built over 500 teams, SDR teams, in your in your 16 years. What are some of the key qualities that you look for in an SDR that you think not so much guarantees success, but certainly stacks the odds in in the favour of having more of a successful um, prospecting and develop, sales development uh, ecosystem.
1: Yeah, so uh, there, there's a few things. Um, one <laughs> that I actually think is the most important um, is uh, that maybe you think uh, people might think is cheesy, but I, I'll tell you, <laughs> it's the number one indicator and it's their attitude, right? We <laughs> have a core value at SalesRoads is attitude is everything. Yeah, But this type of work is tough and you've got to be able to, do cold calling. Do take rejection, brush it off, move on to the next one. Stay motivated for for a whole day. And so we are really looking for those positive types of people, you know, who who are, are uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and excited uh, um, about this type of work. And that's the other thing that we we do. Uh, we actually don't recruit people uh, out of school. I know a lot of technology companies recruit SDRs and sort of they cut their teeth on, on it and whatnot. But we really like people who've worked in this field before they understand the challenges and they are looking for to build on their career here um because you know you just really don't know whether you can do it and, and you some people can do it well for an hour right but to do it day after day hour after hour you've got to have the right type of attitude so we really try to 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 uh, recruit based upon that. Now, the other part is obviously you've got to be able to carry on good conversations, um, present concisely, ask the right types of questions. And the way that we really try to analyze that is we do role play in the interview process. So we actually we give them a mini deck. We give them uh, uh, you know, a mock client. We ask them to study it. So first of all, so it's always interesting to know who studied and come prepared, yep. and who hasn't. That's a good indicator as well. Um, and then we role play, and then our HI team actually gives people feedback. Um, they give constructive feedback, and it is very tell. One of the the, the big things, um, and so if you're recruiting for sales roles, here's a, not a secret, but you know it's, it's something we do look for. But is does somebody welcome that feedback? And grow from it, even in that conversation. And we give them a chance to, to, to do it again. And we actually ask them, we, we ask mm-hmm. them to self-assess and whatnot. And we like people who really, one of our other core values is, you know, personal growth equals sales growth. So we really like people who are looking to learn who, who, who we provide a lot of coaching, a lot of training, who want to, to, to learn every single day. Um, and that helps us to select for
0: the, the right types of people. It's, um, I've often wondered because I, I did I did a lot of call calling in my early sales career and it's uh, not easy. <laughs> it's not easy, and you've got to uh, you've got to you know deal with a lot of different uh, different types of people, different types of behaviours, getting um, getting told to go forth and multiply, <laughs> getting your phone slammed down. But you have to have tenacity and, and persistence as well. But but also a big thing, and I, and I used to teach my sales team this when I was a sales leader that it don't ever take it personally because you don't know what's going on in that person's world at that particular time and you just happen to be in the right place at the right time or for them, the wrong place at the right t- wrong right. time, um, but you've got to then pick it up and dust it off and get on to the next one. Absolutely. Yeah. So critical. Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, and, and that that grit is, is super important. I mean, I think it's important in, in, for entrepreneurs, it, but being able to do that um, and, and you know not let on that you some people bring a bad call into the next call, and that's a recipe for disaster. Um, uh, you're 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 just not going to have that that right mental attitude to be able to do the the the, the great work if you are taking it all um, yeah. to heart.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now I also noticed you mentioned you have you got some bigger clients as well, not just the the small startups. Is there a different um I guess a different need that they have, given that they're quite established, that they would then look to a, a company like yours to um to continue to expand their capabilities or their their reach?
1: Yeah. So I mean there are a lot of a lot of established companies, larger companies that that we've worked with. Um, I mean, one of our old, oldest clients is a company called Parker and They are a Fortune 500 manufacturing company. Um, and what we found with with some of those organizations is that, and this is a different need than than what I had talked about at the, the beginning, which was kind of our, the, the, the second reason why people would outsource is that they just don't have the core capabilities, nor will they ever have the core capabilities of doing this type of work in-house. So, if you are a manufacturer who's good at, at at manufacturing, maybe you have some outside reps who call on people. But to build this internally is just so different, and you just have no reason to want to want to do mm-hmm. it. We've helped a lot of clients like that. Um, that just you know, it, 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 it's it's foreign to them. They they sure. they don't know um, the. First, they might not even know what an SDR is. I'll be honest; they just know they want to generate a a lead generation appointment setting pro- program for their sales team.
0: Does that mean that you're then um, you're involved with those sort of clients? Would extend just would it would it still stop at the appointment generation, or do you find yourself now sort of migrating into becoming more almost like the the appointment generator, but then the the qualify and then potentially the closer based on the I guess their capability there are and i i hate to, i just hate to say it because it's not something we do
1: very often um but we'll do it for the right clients at the right right size because it does take so much effort there are few clients where we have done uh and and do account management type of work um yeah. just because we started doing lead gen and they're like well could you do this and and we we <laughs> you know, were that type of flexible com- company um but it, we really um pick and choose who we're going to do that for because to do it well it's just it's a it's a lot of
0: uh manpower. And you have to then have uh, you almost would have a team that would have to become part of that organization for all intents and purposes, particularly when you get into the account management phase as well.
1: Yes. We have to have much more system integration. Uh I mean we're always calling as 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 if we're part of that that client we have e- their email addresses where you know we we introduce ourselves as our client yeah. but there's more integration more data that has to come back and forth much more training because if you're actually closing deals you've got to have an even deeper knowledge set for 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 those types of products or services
0: yeah absolutely and as part of that I'm sure there's also you would have had uh, and maybe continue to have reluctance, in the industry, to say, why do, why do we need to outsource this to sales? So, you, you're talking about providing sales outsourcing to organizations, but you also have to practice what you preach in terms of generating leads for your own organisation. So, um, <laughs> it's almost like, well, hang on, do you outsource your outsourcing to be outsourced? Or <laughs> <laughs> so the same, I guess the same methodology would be. Um, it's proof proof in the pudding that what you what you provide in terms of the marketplace, you actually do to yourself because in order to get an organization on board, you're just not going to be sitting there waiting for the phone to ring or hoping that people are going to go to your website. You'll have to demonstrate all the stuff that you'll actually be um, helping this organization for their particular business in order to get them on board in the first place. So everything's sales. Yeah. It is. <laughs> you got to live, breathe, eat sales. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. So i um love to delve in. One of, the, one of the key topics I'd love to talk about is 2024. Um, for many organizations, it's going to be the end of the financial year, particularly a lot of organizations in the States. Um, for a lot of others, it's obviously just the end of the quarter, end of the calendar year. As we look to 2024, are there any key trends that you're seeing that, um, we can start to think about predictions for for 2024, whether that be in the outsourcing space or just in sales, the economy, any key things to think about in terms of uh, challenges and opportunities for 2024.
1: Yeah, so I I think the first thing is I think the challenge I, I that I've seen in the market and even for for ourselves um, over the last year has been just the uncertainty around is. What's the economy doing? Is is it is it not good? Is it great? Is it what what what's happening? And I think there's almost economy fatigue that is yeah. going on, which I think will be actually a good thing for the economy, but also for organizations. That at, at the end of the day, you yeah. know, you've just got to make your plans and you got to push forward and you just got to work to grow. And I think that people, especially SaaS companies because you know they they funding has 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 been a little bit tighter and things like that i think we're going to see a re acceleration um because i think people are realizing like how long can you sort of wait and be in limbo here you got to just maybe it's not going to be the way it was in 2021 and before but i think people are going to lean into 2024 because there's only so long that you can be like well what's the economy going to do you're just going to going to push forward and so i think um i think that's a, and i think that's a wise thing i think you got to you know really be methodical in the way you're you're looking to grow but you got to lean into it um because otherwise your competitors are
0: it's almost um, like um I was just going to say similar to covid there was a lot of uncertainty around covid but then when organizations and when people realized that this thing is not going to go away they had to find a different way to do business yeah so if if we have to grow we have to evolve we have to find a way so irrespective yeah. of what the economy is doing
1: yeah I, I, I think so. And, and so I think that that, I think we're going to see people leaning in more than they were leaning in in 2023. Um, so I, I you know, the second thing I think, and I maybe this is just my wishful hoping, but I've seen a lot of people come up to me and, and ask for, for meetings to talk about this and, and whatnot. But I think, you know, we've seen a lot of interesting things with generative AI uh, over the past year. But the thing that, I don't think we've seen any real improvement in or ways to use it is around the data um, and getting better data or being able to access better data or query better data. And so I am hoping but I and I think we will see a few, a few companies, either startups or some of the entrenched players who use AI in a creative way to help both get better data um, and procure better data, but also do better at being able to Um, query it. I mean, the way that you query data is just, it's almost so antiquated right now. It's the way we've been doing it for forever. But if you can really uh, you know, type in things in, in the way that you do with ChatGPT to ask for different personas and and folks who have a different tech stack and things like that. You know, right now we can we can do it at, at Salesroads because we've invested a lot in our sales ops and we have lots of different sources and we spend a lot of time curating those lists. But I think it's going to become more uh, ubiquitous and easier to use um, as these companies start to figure out how to use. Uh, generate a generative AI to, to better access and source uh, data for sales teams.
0: And just on that with AI, because there's a lot of talk in terms of the, I guess, the power of artificial intelligence and also the, the danger of artificial intelligence. Um, what do you see in terms of not just the data that's now going to be more readily available or better quality data? How do you, how do you see AI continuing to play a role in, in sales?
1: Yeah. So, um, I think there's, there's a duality to, to, to AI and sales. Um, and I think they're, 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 a tension with, with each other. I'm at the, at the heart an optimist. Um, and I'm just also, obviously, as I think all of us are just blown away at what, what it can do. And it's just fascinating and fun and things like that. Um, on the positive side, I'll start on the positive and then I'll go to the, to the negative. Um, to do really good sales, AI has made it a lot easier. Um, you know, when you're prepping for a discovery call and you want to be able to do better research or, or, you know, think about your buyer persona or think about some of the, you know, you t- you know have have it scrape a, a LinkedIn page and yeah. and a company page and even you know, uh, you know financial documents and say what are some of the good questions I should ask this person, you know, in in my discovery and use it as an assistant to help you yeah. do your research better which the best sales people have always done but a lot of salespeople will just skip it <laughs> um and this will allow people to do a lot faster so i think uh the best salespeople are those who are really you know i and i know lots you know, are the best consultants and they're able yep. to help their their clients better and ai is an amazing tool to help you be fulfill that role um and so i think the the, the folks who use that um, to do that type of work and really create a much more customized experience for the buyer is really, really exciting. Hmm. The tension is um, a lot of people love using sales tools to um, just accelerate behavior um, and not necessarily to make the interactions better. And we've seen this time and time again uh, you now. The sales automation platforms, the outreach, the sales lofts, those are great because you can use multi-channel and, and all these. things, But we've seen them become a spam machine, right? Where you yeah. just kind of like push it and and um and so I think the more like that it's used to do work quickly versus use work better is where the the, the rubber is going to meet the road. I mean, we've used AI a lot in both our sales process, but also when we bring on clients and we build the playbooks and, and whatnot. And one of the things I really reinforced for my team as we built the processes around it is we don't we we're not using this to push a button and create a playbook. Because yeah. all of a sudden, you're going to have a much worse playbook than you had before ChatGPT was, was invented. You're using this... I have just... Bought everybody an assistant, a sales assistant for $20 a month to help you brainstorm, to help you think of lots of different zany approaches, have it write 10 different call approaches, ask for crazy ones, because sometimes there's going to be a kernel of, of brilliance there. Yeah. And so brainstorm with it. And so if people really use the tool in that method versus to make do work faster, I think has the potential to to have a renaissance in sales. And I'm an optimist, but the statistics have shown that over the past 30 years, since, you know, the CRM was really invented, that we have not seen increase in quota attainment (laughs) with all of the tech stack and, you know, and so we will see. Uh, We'll see how this, this nets out.
0: And I think the key point you make there, David, is it's, you can use, you can use AI for good, but it's it's there to complement what we do. It's not there to replace what we do. And I think the danger is if you look at AI as an enabler, there'll be there'll be people out there and maybe there's organisations out there that think, wow, if we can if we can really tap into AI, maybe we can step back and not have as many SDRs or because AI will do it for us, right? We'll talk to a chatbot. Um, and I know a lot of coaches and consultants now use a lot of automated chatbots to have conversations and do the closing. But at the end of the day. Uh, you want to do I I certainly do want to deal with people because you 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 just you just want to deal with people <laughs> I don't think no. it's that it's that intelligent yes
1: yeah and, and and I think so so what's interesting is you know there will be a point where it can um be better than a person. And eventually we'll, we'll hit the place, which I know is kind of scary too, you know, where they're smarter than than people and they can even figure out empathy, which, you know, which is obviously important in sales and whatnot. Um, And so that, I mean, that's a few years, a few years away, but it it is interesting because, you know, I've heard this analogy a lot, but I think it's, it's true. You know, people still pay more for handmade goods, even if, the quality is really not as good, you know, and it's a lot more expensive. And so there is a psychological barrier to, to dealing with, with AI. Um, And I think there's a trust level of dealing with AI that I don't know if it will ever overcome. And, And I feel like one of the key attributes of great salespeople is being able to, generate trust, being able to network and build your, you, you know, the people who trust you and, and show up for them and things like that. How does AI do that? And I think there's lots of biases in mm. AI, right? Um, you know, it's only as good as it, it, it's data set. And I, I don't think it will ever rank high on that attribute of trust. Or yeah. if you're a great salesperson, you've got to rank high on that attribute.
0: Absolutely. Because people love to do business with who they know, who they like and who they trust. Exactly. 100%. Awesome. So AI will be here to stay. Um, so that's 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 a good thing to understand and and use it to assist our process, not to replace our process. We're going to lean into the economy despite the uncertainty. And, and as you were talking about the uncertainty of the economy, I keep looking at the Dow Jones, and the Dow Jones for the last three months is continuing to go up. So what is going on despite all the uh, all the tales of woe that people are talking
1: about? It's
0: crazy. And, <laughs> excuse me. Any other big predictions for? For 24 Based on what you're seeing in the marketplace,
1: yeah. Um, and we touched on this here, but I, I do think the phone will have a, a bit of a renaissance. Uh, if I maybe that's too strong a word, but uh, I do think it phone, um. People start seeing, you know, and I'm in a lot of different uh, sales tech communities. Uh, some that are just focused on on email, you know, because I all the different attributes we want to be really great at. And So I, I try to listen to all the the best people in these things, uh, in, in, for each channel. But and even some of them have been like, should I add a phone? <laughs> and so they're they're just email agencies because you know it's it's getting harder and harder. So I've been hearing seeing that uh, happen. So I do think. Um, people will lean into the phone even more in 2024.
0: It's funny you say that because we all have one of these things. And I know my my two daughters who are in their 20s now, they would rather uh, just use that as a data device, sending text messages. And when I say, hey, why don't you just dial a number and actually have a phone call with somebody? <laughs> it's almost like, "What? what? What's a phone call? And then you show them one of those decadic phones where you've got to dial the number that we had years and years ago and thinking, what the hell's that? That.
1: Right. But I it was the becomes... best buy. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. And no, I was just going to say so the, the phone is almost going to be the differentiator. Just like in sales, the conversation is often the differentiator. The face to face conversation is the differentiator. So don't rely on all the technology to do the work for you because people want to actually connect.
1: I think so. Uh, uh, and there are always going to be people who don't pick up the phone and there there are certain personas you know you know if somebody only wants us to set appointments with the CTO it's like come on sorry you know i mean you know it's it's they're just not going to pick up the phone, you know? So that we, and we understand, you know, sales personas are great to sell too, because mm-hmm. good salespeople are going to pick up the phone. So, you know, you do have to understand your persona too. And we didn't get into the, the nuances today on, on some of that, but that's part of the channel selection. You got to understand how your your prospects um, will communicate. But I think when you look at the under leveraged channel, um, especially in those those uh, for the who go after personas that will have a more of a propensity for picking up the phone, it's under mm-hmm. it's it's crazily underutilized.
0: <laughs> and you could you could dial into that and pardon the pun um, and take full advantage of that in 2024. Because if all your competitors are simply looking at email campaigns or text messages or whatever the case might be, if you're doing some of that. Um, that others are not expecting. That is, geez, the phone's ringing. Whatever that is, I'll pick it up. Um, that could be the differentiator. Now you've got to have your your scripting right. You've got to have your your methodology right. You've got to have be able to build trust pretty quickly. But that could be the difference that makes all the difference.
1: Yeah, I, I think so.
0: Wow. So as we uh, as we wrap up, we'll get to the to the wrap up. Any other key thoughts uh, from your perspective on on the future twenty twenty four? So even for the for your organisations in sales roads, I mean, how how are you looking at twenty twenty four? And is, does it mean that you're having to, I guess, adapt as well based on what you're seeing happening in the marketplace? Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, for 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 sales roads, you know,
1: and I think it's going back to AI. I think you know, we can have our predictions. I had my prediction about the data and whatnot, but it is going to, if we have this conversation a year from now. I mean, there's so many things that are going to come out that we just couldn't have predicted. And so the thing that I am doing and I encourage my team to do just like, you know, we've talked about leaning in, but lean, lean into AI, like understand it, mm-hmm. get a sense for it, see how, how it works. Uh, you know, I'm taking a lot more meetings with, with companies that are leveraging AI. A lot of them are, you know, I don't think will work, but I, but I want to understand what people are thinking about and how they th- think they can channel this new, new technology, because, you know, I think there are going to be some really valuable companies that, that come out of, um, you know, AI and, and providing AI services, but, and this is not just in sales, but I think more broadly, I personally think the people who, who, benefit the most are going to be companies because it is a, a, a magical tool we have we're just scratching the surface i, I have no idea what some of the use cases going to be and so i just want to be curious be interested play with it see, see what what it has to offer because it, we're in predictions right here but nobody can predict what, no. what what the year will bring
0: when it when it comes to ai so I guess from that perspective, we all have to, and the message I get from that is we just have to be curious. We have to be open. Um, we have to be able to be flexible as well because what we think may happen, what we can can see based on our current, uh, I guess, frame of reference and experience may be something completely different. And we've got to be able to pivot very quickly and take advantage of those opportunities. And unfortunately, there'll be some companies that won't be able to do that because they'll be stuck in their... In their ways and they'll so they'll try to plow through with their normal methodology and they're the ones unfortunately that potentially be left behind so be flexible so. be curious yeah well put nice so uh if people want to know more about the great david um krieger and more about sales roads uh, where is the best place for them to get access to you and connect with you yeah. Thank you. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. So please connect with me
1: there. Um, reach out if you have any questions. i happy to, to, to be helpful in any way I can. Uh, you can also check out SalesRoads or salesroads.com. You can Google us. Um, and uh, yeah, I appreciate the invitation to be on here,
0: Darren. This was a great conversation awesome so david thank you you for taking the time on a on a thursday i know i'm eating into either beer time or um soon to be dinner time <laughs> so i do appreciate you uh yeah. jumping on it at uh evening in when on wednesday yeah no i i think i've got some 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 fourth grade math to go help with <laughs> <laughs> that'll be fantastic so hey once again david thanks thanks very much great conversation and uh I think we'll have to do this. Maybe what we'll do is we'll we'll do another one in 2024 to see um, whether fun. some of these predictions have actually come up or not. I, I would love that. Hold my feet to the fire. <laughs> Let's see where I went wrong. Awesome, Mike. Greatly appreciate the conversation. It's been uh, it's been terrific. Yeah, same here. Thanks, Darren.